0: Hey, Olivier, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Bonjour, Rachel, How are you? Bonjour. great.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Très bien.
1: You do speak good French, actually. I'm surprised. <laughs> oh, well,
0: thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. So let's let's just dive in. Tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do.
1: Sure. So, um, you know, I, I started to be an entrepreneur very, very early in my life because I left school at 18. I'm a high school dropout. Uh, to build my first company, which was an IT business, you know, I started uh, like just very simply by uh, repairing the computers of other people, you know, okay. and uh, it was an amazing adventure. Uh, but after a few years, uh, I realized that uh, maybe this company I created to be free was actually a jail I created for myself because like many entrepreneurs, most of them actually, I was working a lot, like 60, 70 hours a week. Um, I was, uh, my company was my only source of income. So I could, I didn't see how I could sell it or I could stop it, you know? Mm. And I was like, Hey, I would like to have more balance in my life between my professional and my personal life. And I can't Mm. because yeah, I'm like, uh, the prisoner of my own business. And it was like a, uh, a hard realization, you know, yeah. to, to have. Uh, so I looked for the solution for four years. And then I read a book, uh, maybe you have the tea, it because it's a very famous book. It's a four-hour work week of by course. Tim Ferriss. Of yep. course. Yes. Right. Yeah. One of my
0: first personal development books back in like 2010. So great book. Yeah.
1: yeah. I read it in 2008. And uh, I mean, it basically gave me a slap like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, it, it gave me like a suddenly a goal, mm. it, which was to have an internet business that uh, could give me the freedom I was aspiring to. Yeah. And uh, I read a second book, a, a book that actually Tim Ferriss recommends at the end of, uh, of his book, uh, which is The E-Myth yeah. by Michael Gerber.
0: The E-Myth,
1: yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also amazing book about basically the book described why I was prisoner of my own business. You know. I was thinking it's oh, it's, it's only my problem. I'm, I must be the only one in the world to have this. And I realized actually it's very common, you know? Mm. So uh, another slap in two weeks <laughs> and, uh, and then, so this started my journey um, for the business I have right now, which is I teach basically people how to start and grow a business that is in service of their life instead of their life being in service of their business, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So how to be a successful entrepreneur while having a good uh, balance between your personal and your professional life?
0: Yeah, I love it. So you were 18 when you started your business. You were living in France at the time? Yes. And you dropped out of school to start your business. Was Because when I think of France, because, you know, I live there, I don't think of it as being very entrepreneurial. And so- Right. Were you just like people thought you were insane to be dropping out of school to start your business at 18? Oh yeah, uh,
1: yeah. So I dropped school at 18 and I started the business one year later because for one year I had to work on the project. You know. Yeah. Uh, But so you know, yeah, I I think yeah, France is not very uh, doesn't have a a very entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Uh, But I I think even in the U.S., most people will think I I was crazy. You know, because I mean, it's not so
0: yeah, it's not so common
1: for teenagers to drop school at 18 to start a business. Right. right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Most people thought I was uh, crazy, yeah. uh, or I was doing something stupid. Yeah. Uh, and I, I always say, you know, I'm very glad I didn't do a survey at the time to, yeah. to inform my decision. You know, uh, I, I, I have to, um, Add that it it can seems crazy, but I did something that really uh, is at the core of my philosophy and something I recommend uh, for people who want to be entrepreneur. Before I did this life changing decision to, to stop school and start my company, I did a small experiment uh, that didn't disturb my life at all to see if my idea of uh, making money with a computer, you know, uh, could work. So with a friend, we realized that. Uh, Uh, a lot of people were asking us like a lot of questions all the time about computer problems, problems that for for them was like super big, you know, and for us, we we could resolve them like this. Mm -hmm. So we were like, hey, maybe we can make money with that. So instead of dropping school and start the business, we decided, hey, how? yeah we were asking ourselves hey, how can we test this idea right now without disturbing our life and we just mm-hmm. bought a small ad in a local newspaper for very like a very small amount of money like the equivalent of maybe 10 dollars you know mm-hmm. and in one month we had something like 800 dollars of sales wow so yeah and we didn't have a car we were young we looked very young like Geeks, really, you know, uh, with the whole package, you know. And uh, I mean, with these experiments, I could see that, yes, uh, I, ha- I had the skills. People were happy about um, my what, what I could uh, bring to them, and they, they were paying me. So these experiments gave me the confidence to do this. Yep. And, you know, in entrepreneurship, you have basically two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. You have the, the people who say, hey, in order to succeed, you need uh, to burn your ships so you have only two options: either you win or you die. You know, right. basically. And I, I'm not a fan at all of this approach. You know, because mm. it's very risky. Because right. yes, you you you've heard of the successful stories, but you don't hear about all the people who died actually. You know, right. or you know had, had very serious problems because of this. So my philosophy is exactly what I share. Like, if you want to do something life-changing, what is the smallest experiment you can do in your life? That will not disturb many things, you know, that you can do with the smallest amount of time, money and resources to see if your idea is good or not. Mm-hmm. And when I transitioned from my first company to my actual business, I did the same. You know, it was not like something I did like crazy. I gradually built my, my actual business while at the same time I was managing my first. And I did the, trans- the transition very gradually.
0: Yeah. 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 As you mentioned it, that's exactly kind of what I did too. Cause I was doing both businesses at the same time. And it wasn't until I think four months in that I was like, no, this is what I got to do. And I let go of the other one. Um, okay. So you talk about being an intelligent rebel. What does that mean to you?
1: Well, an intelligent rebel, uh, is someone who externally can have all the signs of success, you know? Uh, this person can have like a good job in a good company, a good salary, a good house, a good car, a good spouse, uh, everything, you know. But inside, this person feels that something is missing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that if it continues like this, is is not going to be the best version of, of himself or herself. Okay. Um, and usually what is missing is creation. Mm-hmm. It can be the creation of his own adventure, like for example, uh, doing a worldwide writer for one year. It can be an uh, artistic creation, like, I don't know, writing a book or writing a theater piece, you know, something like this, mm-hmm. or it can be creating his own business. Mm-hmm. But basically it's about creating his own adventure in life, you know, mm-hmm. creating his own path. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, you know, a lot of intelligent rebels, uh, They some of them follow like what society tells them to do, you know, like get a good diploma, get a good job and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they realize it's not enough. Something is missing. And it is this, you know, this uh, spark of creation, this uh, way to create their own reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm talking about people who have success, but also some people can actually feel like, uh, you know, failures, like Mm -hmm. uh, misfit, you know, uh, because of this. And if this person is in the education system, uh, he can feel that he has a problem. And one of the things I talk about in my book is like, uh, hey, if you feel like this, maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it's because the education system was designed for people who are different than you. Because when you look at the root of the education system in the Western world, you know, most of it was designed at the end of the 19th century. Right. Um, and the, the core philosophy was, hey, we want to have productive people in an industrial society. Right. Meaning we want to have good soldiers, good factory workers, good employees, you know. So right. we want these people to be able to read and write. and. We want them to follow instructions, but we don't want them to be too robust. We don't want them to be too creative. We don't want them to be, you know, to to, to challenge the status quo and to challenge authority. And when you look at how school was organized and is still organized in many parts of the world, uh, it's very uh, striking the similarities with factories. Yeah. Because you have like a a bell that is ringing every hour. You have, you know, people align like this with uh the teacher who is like uh, in a position of authority usually on the I don't know if to say it in English but you know, on the on the step somewhere mm-hmm. uh, in many schools in the world uh, you you had to wear a uniform for a long time I mean in some countries like the UK it's still the case right yeah so you know there is this like similarity with fi- factory and it's not uh it's not a, a random occurrence it's because by design it was made for for people who, who were designed to be workers, uh, factory workers, this kind of stuff. So, the pop, and, and I mean, you have to understand the governments at the time. At the end of the 19th century, uh, usually, robbers were really robbers. They were doing revolutions, you know, like in France, in Paris in 1870, there was a revolution called the Commune, and the communists took over Paris for a few months, and it was kind of, it was bloody, you know? So the the the, the governments were really uh, wary about these kind of people. But nowadays, you know, nowadays, rebels, they are creating startups, you know, they're creating mm-hmm. uh, different stuff. They are not revolutionaries anymore. I mean, they are, but not in a bloody way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so of course, uh, the, the, the education system really evolved a lot since then, but the core philosophy is still the same. Yeah. And uh, I'm just telling the intelligent rebels. So yeah, maybe you're creative, Maybe you are a rebel, maybe you are challenging authority. And actually it's not a problem. First, you need to understand this. You, you need to understand the system is was not designed with you in mind, you know? Yep. And uh, it can be a strength if you know how to play your cards right.
0: For sure. You're making me think of Gary Vaynerchuk. You're familiar with him, right?
1: I know I him a bit. I'm not familiar, but yeah, I, I watched a few of his videos, of course, like everyone. Yeah,
0: like he just <laughs> like really comes to my mind as being an intelligent rebel, someone who like went to school but hated it and got terrible grades. And it was just like he was not meant to to thrive in a school environment, which not everybody is. Like it's you try to push everyone into like this one way to do things when some of us like we wanted, we're meant for more. We're meant for doing something differently. And so he started his businesses when he was young and, and has crushed it. His book is called crushing it and crushed it really good. Um, but yeah, it just totally made me think of him of how he was meant to be an entrepreneur, not necessarily go to school, get a job, follow the system of how it's designed for most people.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, for, for what I saw, it uh, seems to perfectly fit the description. Yes.
0: <laughs> for sure. So, what are the three vital principles of an intelligent rebel?
1: So, yeah, the, the things that I share this at the start of my book. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, I start with a quote saying basically, um, you know, there are millions of methods, but the principles are few. And it's by Ariton Emerson, if I remember correctly. And the, the person who understand the, the principles can choose his methods more efficiently than the one who choose methods randomly without understanding the principles. And I think it's very true. You know, I was really uh, like amazed by, by this quote when I, I read it the first time. And so I I'm, I really try to share three core principles for intelligent troubles that I think are really universal. Uh, so, the first one is to understand and i mean really understand not only intellectually but also in your guts right that some in every field every field you can imagine especially the ones you are the most interesting in you have more um, effective methods than others and i mean when i say that it seems obvious people will be like yeah okay thank you Uh, but Actually, in a lot of different fields, people don't realize it. And I give one example in in my book. I mean, I give a lot of examples in my book, but one of the examples is uh, making money. Mm -hmm. That's the quintessence of a field where most people think, hey, if uh, it will be so easy to make uh, more money, uh, everyone will know it, you know? And they just stop this. Every time they uh, hear of a method to make more money, a lot of people are super skeptical and they don't give it a try because they think it's a scam. They think mm-hmm. if, they, if it would have been so, so efficient, people will know it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But in, making, in the field of making money, like in all of the others, you have more efficient methods than others. Mm-hmm. And you need to be open about this and you need to be open about the fact that basically everything that us is uh, the, the process, the result of a, more, a, 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 method, a method that was proven more efficient than all the others in the history you know, of humanity. Uh, so if you are an employee, it is the worst way ever to make money because you are, you are exchanging your time from your money and your time is what uh, is most precious, obviously, right? Yep. So you really want to avoid to do that in the long term, it's fine to start with this, you know, it's okay. And when I say employee, I'm also talking to entrepreneurs because a lot of the entrepreneurs actually exchange the time for their money too, mm-hmm. like coaches, you know, uh, all the people who do services and these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's very important for an entrepreneur to realize this and to understand that there is a difference between creating your job and creating a business. It's not the same thing. It's, it's good to start by creating your job. And that's what most entrepreneurs do. That's what I did when I created my first business, you know. It's already a step uh, forward compared to being an employee. At least you are creating your own uh, reality, you know. But if you are the employee of your company, there are a lot of problems with this. And usually you end up the slave of your own business. Like, what, it's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. So if you have the entrepreneur mindset, the real one, You want to start, you want to create a business, you want to have a business, and what is the difference between creating your job and creating your business? It's simple. If you create your job, you are basically a one-man's band. You know, you're playing all the instruments at the same time. If you you are building a business, you are an orchestra chief. I don't know how to say it in English. You know, the guy who is doing like the... Yeah. How Uh, do you say that? Like Uh, the orchestra... the master, or- you know, the, the leader, leader, the one the one who is. I know like, exactly uh, what
0: you're talking about, and I yeah. can't think of the
1: name
0: <laughs> in English. So I'm like, nope.
1: <laughs> in French, we say chef d'orchestre, you know, it's like the, yeah. the leader, basically. Yeah. So and it's important because uh the, the the guy who is leading the orchestra, he doesn't have to play uh, all the instruments by himself, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to, you know, be good at any instrument actually. Just have to be good at making everyone playing uh good, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, m- many stuff. So, yeah, just one example, but in every field you are interested in, like uh, being a better spouse, uh, you know, making love, every, everything. You can be better you, and you can find better methods. And if you understand these, you, you, you will like uh, aim your, your mind to, to look for this kind of, th- of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the first principle, to understand this really in your guts. Really in your guts and not just intellectually. Second thing is to be a good skeptic. Mm. What do I mean by that? I, I, I shared like previously that most people, when they hear about a method to, uh, that is more efficient to earn money than uh, just having salaries are very skeptical. And actually, I think it's uh, healthy to be skeptical. You don't, because there are a lot of scams, obviously, also. And the, the key is to, uh, to separate the, the good from the bad. But so how do you do that? Well, you want to be skeptic because it's healthy, but you want to be skeptic in the good way. Meaning instead of using your skip skeptic, skepticisms to don't do anything, you use your skepticisms to do experiments in your life. You know, it's it's connected to what I shared a few minutes ago about doing experiments in your life. Yep. When you hear about a method that seems maybe too good to be true, maybe you, you're like, ah, is it a scam? Is it really working? Will it work for me? You know, mm-hmm. instead of rejecting it, use this skepticism to fuel your curiosity and ask yourself, okay, what kind of experiments could I do in my life to test this? You know, to see if it's true or not. There are many examples in history of people who are skeptics of things that we take for granted now. You know, I give an example in my book about uh, um, Dick Fosbury, who uh, was the first to, you know, uh, do an Olympic sport in in a way that looked completely crazy. And now everyone is doing it, you know. Uh, And a lot of people were skeptical at at the start. So Mm. you look for a good method, then you try them with a good skepticism mindset. Mm. Very important. Basically, you want to be a scientist for your own life, you know. And it's fun too it's very fun because all the time you can do experiments and you maybe sometimes they will fail sometimes they will don't bring you anything but sometimes you will uh, stumble upon some gold you know and it's it's very fun to always be open to this kind of stuff and obviously you cannot try everything so you need also to to choose your battles but at least you will try way more things than the average people and just this is gonna give you a big advantage, hmm. and the third principle is once you identify good method, and yes, they are, you, you you try them and you see they are good, you uh, use the Pareto uh, Pareto's approach, which is to focus on the 20% of this method that bring 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Pareto. Uh, Pareto's a, law. Was, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very famous, yep. right? Well, he was a, a famous Italian economist, and basically. It's not a low per se, but it, it works very well. And in a lot of different fields, you have twenty percent of the causes that create eighty uh, percent of the consequences. Like twenty percent of the countries uh, have eighty um, percent of the wealth uh, in a uh, uh, factory. Twenty percent, eighty percent of the problems come from twenty percent of the product, etc., etc. You know, yep. and uh, in companies usually. Uh, 80% of the income comes from 20% of the customers. Yep. When, when I, I stumbled upon this law, I tried it in my first company and I was shocked because I, I calculated that 17% of my customers were bringing 81% of the revenue. Yeah. So it was, of course, it's never exactly 20 and never exactly 80, but it's close, you know? Right. And you just understand that there is like this. Uh, there is there is a small amount of causes that creates a lot of consequences. Mm-hmm. So if you know this and you want to, you you can use it for your own advantage by focusing on in these methods, what is really bringing the most of the value. Mm-hmm. So when you wrap everything together, these three core principles that I, I I think are really universal, it means you're always looking for good methods and you you have you begin to to. It's, it begins to be a real competence, a real skill, f- because you will have an eye to spot this kind of method. It's not, it's not gonna work all the time, obviously, but you, you're gonna be better than the average person at spotting good methods. Yeah. Then you try them with good skepticism mindset, and also you will develop the skill of uh, trying them or doing experiments in your life. And then once you identify them and you begin to master them, you focus on what is really good inside the good method. Mm-hmm. So you develop like a, a like a, a whole range of very effective methods, and by focusing on what really is important, you 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 have more time to use everything together. You know, mm-hmm. so this is going to give you a huge advantage in life.
0: For sure, I love it. Um, so you've created just this awesome business that gives you freedom. You're now in Dubai, and you've been kind of all over the place. What's a big mistake or a lesson that you've learned on the road to creating that freedom for yourself?
1: Well, so for now, now I've been an entrepreneur for like twenty, almost 22 years.
0: You started when you were two. You look very young.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I'm 41, actually. I know I look young. You look very young. I hope it's going to continue like this for a long time. Yeah, but see, (laughs) that's maybe, I mean, that's also the thing. I use this methodology for my health. Mm. i i really try to learn as much as possible about how to be healthy and live a long life and it seems to work maybe it's my genetics too but uh i mean so far so good right you so, definitely not so, yeah.
0: 41
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah most people think i'm like 32 33 yeah. 34 so that's good yeah. uh, we'll see in 10 years if it's still the case like if i, I still look 10 years younger uh, so, sorry, what was your question again?
0: Biggest <laughs> failure or mistake ah, yeah. that big, you made. Yeah.
1: So, so in 22 years, I did a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't know if you want me to focus on the my second company, my internet company. Either or one.
0: First... Yeah, either one. Just okay. like a lesson that you learned of like, oh my gosh. All right. Yeah.
1: No, so uh, for, for me, the, the hardest thing, at the, I mean, the hardest thing at the beginning was to understand what mean to be uh, an entrepreneur. You know, that's also the problem when you start with your, because most people, I said they are creating their job and not a business. And yes. what it means, also it means they start from their skills, from, right. their, from their technical skills, which is great. It's it's a, probably the easiest way to start. But you need to understand it's not because you, have, you are a good plumber that you are a good entrepreneur. Right. If you are a good plumber as an employee, it's great. But if you want to be uh, your own boss, you create your own business as a plumber, you, also, you need to realize that you need to understand how to uh, manage a business, how to, uh, you know, uh, do the budget, how to do the marketing, how to sell yourself, how to find customers, all this kind of stuff. So it's a whole new job that you're adding on top of your your, your job, you know. Right. So this is very important to understand and it can take a while. I mean, I don't want to discourage people because I think uh, actually creating your business is a great way to learn all of this, you know, and it's for a sure. great, great skill that will serve you for the rest of your life. Yep. Uh, but so for me, it was hard at the beginning. I almost went bankrupt six months after I created my first business, you know, wow. and then I learned my first lesson because, uh, I was tempting you. That know, was a shame because, uh, I, I, I did ask for money uh, from my family and, uh, I, I took some loans and this kind of stuff. And I was ashamed because I was like, ah, I need a bit more money. Uh, because I did so many mistakes, uh, but I'm ashamed to, to to tell the story, you know. Because yeah. uh, you know, uh, a lot of people were waiting for me, you know, at the corner, like because oh, this dude is uh, stopping school at 18, what a moron, you know. Yeah. And I chose to. Uh, I showed that I, I I I understood that it's better to choose the bull bull, bull than the ostrich. I think you say the same. You have the same expression in English, like I took Whoa. the bull by the horn. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah, took the one. bull by the horns. <laughs> Instead of, of of, putting my head in the sand like a an ostrich, you know? Yes. Yep. You have the same expressions, right? Yep. Yeah, we, we do also in French. Because uh so I, I decided to go all in and tell every everyone who helped me in, in the process of building my business that I did make a lot of mistakes, but I, I also did an analysis of my business model and I told them, hey, look, uh my business model is good, I think. I did many mistakes, that's why now I need a bit more money. But I think now that I understand what are the mistakes I made, I will not make, make them again. And I know now how to get customers and stuff. So I just need this small amount of money and I think it's gonna help me you know, to, to make this business profitable. And so some people listen to me and uh, uh, get, get, get me a small loan, You know, it was like five or 6,000 euros. That's just what I needed to, to continue. And this business well lasted uh, more than 10 years. And then I sold it when my second business was uh, uh, starting to be good, you know? Mm -hmm. So very important when you're an entrepreneur, you need to choose the bull and not the ostrich. Okay. Mm -hmm. Be a bull, not an ostrich. And also, I think that's what is so great about being an entrepreneur. Uh, you, You have to face reality. Yeah. You know, if you don't, at some point, you're going to be bankrupt. It's, it's, there is no other way, you know? So being an entrepreneur is like a path that you choose that really forces you to face reality all the time, all, all the guys. time. And, yeah, I mean, it, it keeps you accountable with the universe, yeah. basically, you know? It's, it's a spiritual path in a way, you know? It, not even in a way. It is a spiritual path. You cannot be on ostrich switch for too long. Maybe for a few days. <laughs> you got to pull it. your head what?
0: out of the sand. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> sometimes you're like, oh man, I made a mistake. I thought this product will, will work, and nobody wants to buy it. Okay, fuck. Yeah. It. But yeah, you know. But uh, then you you're like, oh right. So what, what what why did I think this product will, will work, and what 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 happened? You know. And then mm. you create the next version, and you you pivot and whatever. Uh, So, yeah. And I mean, then I did many mistakes. Also, it's very hard uh, when you recruit your first employee,
0: you know,
1: because also it's a new skill you have to learn how to recruit and how to manage different stuff. It's a, some people, they spend such, such years on these, and they are still not good, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you
0: think about someone who's been in a job, like for 40 years, doing the exact same thing over and over and over again, and then as an entrepreneur, it's like you constantly have to reinvent yourself and learn new skills and all these other things if you want to keep growing. Yeah. So yeah. what does it mean to you to make an impact?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, well, Basically, it means adding value to humanity, you know. That's, you know, the old saying that uh, you want to leave the world in a better shape than when you you arrived, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I met some entrepreneurs who, I mean, if you just look at what they, they did without looking at their business, it's amazing, you know. Uh, I met a guy, he started in a very poor district in France and now he's a millionaire. He has his amazing last, lifestyle, he doesn't work a lot, you know. So, so far, so good. You're like, wow, crazy. But when you look at his business, what he's doing online casinos, and I mean, I'm sorry, but does it bring value to humanity? Right. Some people who are, yes, you know, it's it's a distraction, people need to be distracted and stuff. You know i think we have plenty of distractions already in our society i don't think it adds a lot so you know i think it's important too to add this dimension um uh, in your in your goals and in your path especially if uh, like me you think entrepreneur uh, the entrepreneurial path is a spiritual path Hmm. so um it's also connect to the japanese concept of ikigai you've heard of ikigai right no no, oh really? Okay, it's very interesting. Uh, this is a Japanese concept. It's like you, you could, I think you th- you say also in English, it's like a French uh, word, uh, raison d'être. You know, raison d'être, maybe no. It's like the the reason of being. Basically, yeah, yeah. To oh,
0: yeah, raison d'être. Yeah? yes. Ah, yep. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yep. raison d'être. And basically, you could translate ikigai by this uh, reason of being, raison d'être. And it's you you find your ikigai if you find something that has it's as a crossway of four things. Mm-hmm. If you you do something that you're passionate about, uh, that you can make money with, you can make a living with, uh, that you are skillful mm-hmm. in, and that is your mission in life. Mm-hmm. And what is your mission in life is basically, you know, what Gandhi was saying: uh, uh, be the change you want to to see in the world. Mm-hmm. So if you find if your business is aligned with all the four things, it's perfect. You find your Ikigai. awesome, then it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be a great adventure. Uh, it's not so easy to find your Ikigai. Uh, so, I mean, I, I always share this as an inspiration, as something to, to, to look at, you know, it's like a North, the North star it's, it's guiding you, but it's okay. If when you start, uh, you, you, your business is not a Ikigai. You know, my first business was not an Ikigai. Mm-hmm. I was passionate about, passionate about uh, computers. Uh, I was skillful in it. I, I was making money with it, but was it the mission in my life? Did I want, I mean, was I really so passionate about uh, making the world a better place by the computers working better? Not really, you know, Mm -hmm. now I found my Ikigai because what I do is, uh, so I help entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs to create a business in service uh, service of their life. So yeah, I'm passionate, I make money, I'm skillful. And yes, that's the change I want to see in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to see more people who are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs with a good life balance. Yeah. Uh, so it's a path, you know, and I think it's a, it's, it, yeah, the ikiga is a great goal to have in the, in the long-term. And sure. so it connects to, to this that's making an impact.
0: Yeah, for sure. Where can we connect with you? Sorry? Where can we connect with you?
1: Oh, so yeah. Well, there is my book, the, the way of the intelligent trouble. So yes. that, that was in English and I yeah. have a very small YouTube channel in English. My name, Olivier Roland, Oliver Roland, you can type this in YouTube and, and find me. And if you speak French, I have a huge YouTube channel in French. Yes.
0: Awesome. Olivia. Oh, and I have, I have
1: a blog in English, sorry, a book that can change your life.
0: Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Merci yeah. beaucoup, c'était vraiment génial. Uh, thank you yes, so bien. much. It was awesome to have you here. And um, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you.
1: Well, 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 my intelligent rebels. Thank you for listening. You are still here, which means you are part of the 15%, the 10%, the 5%, maybe the 2% of people who manage to listen until the end. So you are part of the most motivated listeners. Thank you for this and congrats. Now, would you like to share the love about this podcast if you like it? If yes, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Spotify it will mean the world for me because it will motivate me to continue to create content to help you create your own adventure in life. And it will help spread the world and reach more intelligent rebels and help them also create their own adventure in life. Thank you in advance if you do it and see you soon. Bye-bye.